And when you get into the Word, there's a lot of things. How many of you study your Bible? At least raise your hands, even if you don't. <laughs> Repent your heart right now. No. Don't lie about it. But you should be spending time in the Word, and you should be reading your chapter every day because that's what we do at Faith Life Church, Monday through Friday, right? But as you do that, you know, if you've done that and you kind of get in and you start studying, there's so much that sort of starts pouring out of your spirit about it, right? So I'm, my heart is to make sure that I say the right things tonight, that I don't get sidetracked and I don't get um, off on thinking about this. Not that it's irrelevant, but that's just not the right things for tonight. So we want to speak the right things tonight. So stand up with me and we're going to pray over the word before we, before we dig into it. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together. We thank you for our family here at Faith Life Church, Lord, and those that watch on, join us online, Father. We're thankful to get to come together to hear your word. And I ask you today to help me uh, to, to cover everything that you've given to me, Father. I believe that you've directed my path. I believe that you've given me things to say. And I ask you to help me do it correctly. Help me reverence you, Father, in everything that I do and say, that the right words come out and that, that it is edifying and encouraging to the people today. We just thank you for it. And we ask you to help us and anoint us as we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, you can be seated. We're going to go over some scriptures first because that's going to tell you a whole lot more than I can at all. It's always The Word is always better than anything I have to say. Amen? So, But as we go over them, listen to them. We're going to talk tonight about the peace of God. The title is Keep His Peace. And in thinking about the word keep, um, we think about things like, oh, I'm going to keep that, I'm going to do it. There's really more reference to that in the Scripture. Keeping is guarding. It's not just possessing, it's protecting. Does that make sense? So we're going to talk tonight about possessing and protecting our peace because we're going, to, we're going to learn. It's one of the most important things that we'll do as a Christian. Amen? But we're going to start with the Scriptures. We're going to start with Philippians 4, 1 through 7. And for the screens, folks, I'm in NIV unless I tell you differently. Most of it's NIV tonight. And we're going to read through some together. Philippians 4. I said 1 through 7, didn't I? Let's jump down to verse 4. That's right. There we go. That's right. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Go, keep going. Let the gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to read that verse again. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we're also going to read, we're going to read several here. Galatians 5, uh, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. And then we're going to read 1 Peter 3, 11, which Peter... Yeah, he's actually quoting out of Psalms, but he says they must, he must return from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. 
There's an action related to the peace in our lives. We've talked about that when I've spoken before about there's an action and a result. Usually there's an if and a then. If you do this, then this is the result. Well, there's an action required when it comes to peace in our lives. Amen? There's an action that we have to do. Now, we've all been in a situation. I, I've seen uh, maybe at a funeral or when we're talking about to a family that's passed away and you have a tangible presence of the Lord that comes in and there's a peace that, that just is in the room with you. Has anybody ever experienced that? That's part of what I'm talking about. That's truth. There's a lot of truth in that. But it's not just something precious that we're supposed to keep, you know, as if we could put it in a little box and lock it up put it up on a shelf and only access it from time to time when the crisis is really big. Only access it from time to time when there's something emotional going on that we need the peace of God to beat down something else. We know we're supposed to walk in that peace all the time. It's not limited. There's not a, there's not a supply that's going to run out when you reach this point or that point. And we don't want to just turn to the peace of the Lord when there's a crisis in our lives. We want to walk in that Every single day. Amen? And really, it's required. If we're going to walk the Christian walk, you're going to have to figure out how to walk in the peace of God. Because every single day, there will be opportunity. Maybe it's just me. But every single day of my life that I can remember, there is opportunity to lose your peace and to get into the flesh. Amen? So we're going to make it part of our daily walk. These scriptures I've just provided, um, they provide us direction. They talk about living a peaceful life. They talk about, and by living I mean a godly or godlike life. We're supposed to do that. It's not just peaceful. We're supposed to live like Him in peace. Setting a peaceful example to others. Pursuing peace. But it also talks about, we're also going to talk about the results of producing peace, of, of pursuing peace. The results of having this happen in your life. Amen. Philippians 4.17. I'm going to refer to that several times. You can put it back up on the screen. We're going to read this together. And the peace of God, Philippians 4.7. I'm sorry, I said 17. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, as I've grown in maturity in the Lord, and I'm just going to pause and say the train has left the station and it's headed for his destination, but I haven't arrived in any mean stretch of my imagination. I'm not there. Are you? And I'm not going to get there until I leave this earth. I believe I'll constantly be growing and developing in those areas. But I know that I have to daily in my own life, it has to be the first thing that I'm seeking in my daily development with the Lord, my daily fellowship with the Lord, is to find that peace and to walk in it. Amen? It's important. I have to purpose. You have to purpose to live your life that way. It's a choice. It's something you're going to have to do and you're going to have opportunity to bring it up. And maybe we should have it right here on the back of our hand. Peace of God. Walk in peace. Because we're going to have to make a choice to do it. How do we accomplish this? Well, we're going to dig a little bit further in the scripture. We just read in Philippians that the peace of God will guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. That statement alone we could spend the whole night on. The peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus. Why is that important? Let's look at this scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs 4. We're going to read 20 through 23. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. 
for they are life to those who find them and health to a whole man's whole body. And above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Um, another translation says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So the, there's, the big part of that to me is above all else. Those are big words when you see those in the scripture. You don't see very often that that tells us above everything else, guard your heart. Does that seem like it might be important? I think it's extremely important. Yes, thank you. But as we as I let's read verse 23 aloud together. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, or everything you do flows through it. Now let's look back at our original scripture. Refer back to it, Philippians 4:7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will what? will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, if, you were, if I was a teacher and I had a blackboard, I could put peace of God equals guarded heart, guarded mind. So the two are very relative. And what, I was, what, what it came to me as I was doing this, because of the work of the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross, and he, came, he went, he bore our sorrows, he bore our sickness, he bore our disease, he's redeemed us from sin, Amen. But he also sent a helper. Remember he said, it's actually better if I go because I can send the Holy Spirit. He will come and the Comforter will come. We have a helper in doing this. We are not alone. We don't have to guard our hearts alone. That should be good news, right? We should be rejoicing about that as Christians. Because, you know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. And that was Proverbs. They were guarding, guard your heart was something they had to take on. That was a much more difficult task without the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I would do without the Holy Spirit. I mean, daily, daily, he instructs me. Daily, he helps me. Daily, he keeps me out of trouble. He guards this thing right here. Because I have a little body and a big mouth. And that can be good or that could be really bad. I shouldn't, somebody said, no, little body. Okay, short. We'll go with short and stout, okay? But the point is, I don't know how we live without the Holy Spirit. I don't know how we function or do anything without the Holy Spirit. And we have that to help us. So we talk about keeping peace. There's three areas that stood out to me in talking about this one. And the first one won't be a surprise to anybody. It's called, I, I, title, I title everything. You guys remember that, right? But it also helps you with your notes. I help you organize your notes. Look at it that way. Strife. The enemy of peace. And as I was studying through this, I came to realize it's not just an enemy. It is the enemy. It is what will take your peace. And in talking about strife, um, it's mentioned often in the scripture. But we tend to think about friction or disagreement or conflict. We kind of look out there sometimes and we say, that's causing strife. This person's doing that. That person's doing that. This person's starting this argument. That person is whatever the case may be. Um, And if you look in the scriptures, I messed up my notes. If you look in the scriptures, you'll find that there are other words that are used regularly for strife. Things like envy, rivalry, jealousy, selfish ambition. Those sound a lot closer to home than things that we look at out there. And when you're guarding your peace, you're gotta, you've got to get away from looking just out there. You've got to look right here. 
Because strife, you can say all you want to, it takes two to tango. To get into strife requires your participation. Amen? So where there's, so where there's strife, there's no peace. Right? As a matter of fact, let's look at the scripture. Uh, James 3.16 For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Uh, Young's Literal says, For where zeal and rivalry are, there is insurrection and every evil matter. So do you want to be in the presence of every evil matter? No, of course we don't. We don't want to be there. But the two do not coexist in your life. You can't be at peace and at strife in your spirit at the same it's, it does It's not possible because one, peace is uh, the manifest presence of the Lord. That's what causes that peace to happen. And it just said right here that where there's strife, there's every evil work. That doesn't sound like the presence of the Lord to me. Does it sound like the presence of the Lord to you? No. So as believers, we must avoid strife. We must think of ourselves as non-strife causing we must, uh, true strife in us will originate from not being led by the Spirit of God. Because if you wait long enough for the answer to come up, they've said this many years ago, the right thing will come up. If you wait for it, the right thing will come up. You can be led and not ever get into strife. Um, we talked about that. Um, we do not have to allow what is going on around us to affect what's happening in us. It's a choice. We don't have to allow it. And I've heard people say things like, um, you don't know what they said about me. You don't know what they did behind my back. They went around me and did this. They, they purposely tried to get me in trouble. They did that. They did this. Doesn't matter. But, that, but they, you don't understand. They stole my joy. Nobody can steal your joy or your peace. You have to give it away. You have to choose to get out of it. They can't, I can't go over here, Miss Sunny, she's always so happy and always has a smile on her face and a joy out there to work around. I can't go in there and steal her joy and her peace. I can't do it. I could say something to her. I could hurt her, but she can make a choice whether or not I was, you know, what Brother Moore says, if somebody takes you and hits you and you say, oh, they, they must have done that by accident. Surely they didn't mean to take me down like that. They must have tripped and fell. We have to make a choice in these matters. Amen? We are equipped to live in the peace and represent this peace to the world. We can live a strife-free life. I'll tell on myself, I come from a family of fighters. We were little, but we could fight. And I don't mean in a good way. I, not, or a self-defense sort of a way. We, I grew in a, up in a home, and we've matured. So if anybody in my family is listening, it's okay. We've grown up. But we screamed and yelled. That's how we communicated. We threw things. Now, don't get me wrong. We weren't physical with each other. We didn't punch each other or throw things at somebody. But we screamed and yelled and carried on. That's how we communicated. And I guess we thought that we were expressing ourselves. I don't know what we thought. But, but this is what I brought into our marriage. <laughs> and I remember when the, the first things that Amy and I thought about was the fact that she would not fight with me. I would get mad and I would yell and I would scream and I would kick things and throw things across the room and she would just have no part of it. She would shut it down. And it's not funny. It is funny, but it's not funny. 
The good thing is I grew out of it. But the greater thing is I married somebody who wasn't going to allow that in our home, who had enough sense to say, I'm not going to get into that. We're not going to communicate that way. Amen. But we were fighters. I know no, I won't make you raise your hands, but, but you know what? It's, it's a good example of how we can grow and choose just because I was raised that way. Didn't make it right. And we did. I mean, we had some knockdown drag outs outside the house kind of fighting, but that's another story for another day. Amen. <laughs> it wouldn't edify you or me or anybody else. So. But as I was studying this, I also began to think, you know, in Revelation, it talks about in heaven, there's no, let me find it. It says there's no death, no sorrow, no crying or no pain. Do you know why? Because there's no strife. There's no emotion at work in heaven. And I thought, why would you're not going to cry? You're not going to have, you know, these things. Well, the truth is that crying of any sort actually is mostly is emotion. It's an emotional response to something happening, right? Anxiety is an emotional response to something happening. The, the pain is an emotional response and a physical response, but there's also an emotional element to that. You know, kid, little kids, when they fall, they can fall and, and hurt themselves, and your reaction will depend on how they respond, whether it's physical or not. I remember many years ago, I won't even say where it was, but it was in Sarasota. And, <laughs> and I, there was a little boy that had fallen and hurt his head, and, and he was fine. It, yes, it needed to be looked at, but he was fine. And we're back in the bathroom, you know, talking to him. Here we're talking to him. And his mom came in the room and went, oh, well, you know what happened? Totally lost it. Totally and completely lost it. And, you know, I thought at that time, it matters. How, that was a response that caused the loss of peace. Well, how she responded, I don't mean, and, you know, it was it's a parent thing. Sometimes you just do that. But how you respond is going to affect how your peace is. There's a direct correlation on these things. Amen? So anyway, that, the little heaven thing, I just thought that was interesting. It was a little side note. You're sitting there, you know, that's why there is no conflict. Because there's no emotion, which leads me into the next thing we're going to talk about, which is emotions, which is a big part of strife. Emotions, check them at the door. That could also be the title to a ministry manual. (laughs) If you want to get into ministry, you better check your emotions at the door because people are going to say all kinds of things. You're going to hear all kinds of things. Amen. But it's your job to keep the peace. Just like it's all Christians' job to keep the peace. Amen. But we're going to read together Colossians 3. Verses 5 through 8. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And we like to, you know, immediately you think filthy language is dirty words. It's actually things like, um, it's, uh, where did I write it down? It actually includes things like evil communications, corrupt communications, gossip. That's, that is filthy language. Anything actually that isn't edifying is probably filthy language. Right? Um, how does this start strife inside of us? What is the catalyst for strife in almost every situation? It's emotion. 
right? In almost every situation, our emotions are real and powerful and they will take over if we let them. They are very real things. It's a proverbial can of worms. Once you let a little one out, that lid is just going to start popping. You're going to have a hard time getting those emotions back in there. That's why you have to build up your spirit so it can sit on top of that can when the emotions start pouring out. Amen? Because it's the same thing. We've talked to the kids about their words. And we talked to them about how words really can't be taken back. Once you've said them, you can apologize for them, but you can't really get them back. And we use an example of a tube of toothpaste. And that's your words. Well, in this case, it's your emotions coming out of that tube. You can't put those back in the tube. You can put most of them back in the tube, maybe. You can even argue that, well, if I have enough time, I can probably get most of it. But you can't really get them back in once they've come out. That's the same way with emotions. If we let them control us and dominate us, they will. They will control us and dominate us. A problem with most Christians is our emotions and feelings are more evident in our lives and more important to us than living the way God has instructed us to do. Most, I shouldn't say most, some Christians. Some Christians, people know more about how you respond emotionally, about what's going on in your life, what you're upset about, what you are angry about, who's hurt you, the bad things that have happened in your life then they know, people know more about those things than they know about the good things that God has done in your life. Then they know the good things that God has produced in your life, the good things that you're doing, the Christ things that are happening in your life. That's not okay. We have to switch that balance. The truth is, it's not necessary for most people to know anything about the failures. Now, testimonies help people. I get that. But to just sit and talk about being angry and being hurt, how is that edifying or helping one another? It isn't. It's much easier to sit there and talk about how God brought you out. You know, I had this situation. Sometimes I share things. I don't even say really what the situation was. But we were going through something and God did this. Or we needed something and God provided that. Or something came up and we had to take care of this. Or something came up. Whatever the situation was, the Lord delivered us. That's much more edifying than talking about emotions. And getting angry and getting all stirred up. And you're exhausted when it's done. And you always have to repent. Or you should. It drains you. It keeps you from accomplishing what God had for you to do that day. It keeps us from getting where God needs for us to be. So it's important. Amen? Our flesh will seek out emotional moments. Our spirit will seek out peaceful moments. Solutions. I'm not going to get caught up in this. We're going to do this and get this tender, get this taken care of. Amen. Have you ever been in a service where you've seen the Spirit of God moving and you know, he's, you know people are receiving and you know that lives are being changed and you see uh, the, the, that God is just moving and flowing and then all of a sudden it's gone? I've observed sometimes in those services that it's because we cross, somebody crossed into emotional response instead of a spiritual response. The emotion overtook what the Spirit of God wanted to do. And I'm not saying people don't do that on purpose. I don't believe anybody sets out to do that. But when you give over to your emotions, the enemy's going to use them any way he can. And one of his favorite ways is to disrupt church and to disrupt what God wants to do. That's his goal. 
So when we allow that to happen, there are very real circumstances, there are very real uh, results and, and, and things that happen as a result of that. There's, there are, what is it, consequences was the word I was looking for. There's consequences when we make that choice, and it goes outside of us at that point. Amen? All right, back to my notes. Um, let's see. When I, was, when I was praying about tonight, this is something I didn't have in here until just right before service, but the Lord, the Lord uh, dropped this into my spirit, I believe. And as Brother Moore says, not audibly, but distinctly inside of me, he, he said, when people allow emotions to rule their hearts, it produces destruction in their lives. Depression, anxiety, um, addictions, all of these are designed by the enemy to take them out. So what you begin to see is that as you give in to emotion, these other things are byproducts of emotion as well. Depression, anxiety, addictions. Emotions lead us to places where we're taking those things on. Emotions are leading us there. Amen? Now, I've heard the argument... God made me just the way I am. I'm just emotional. I'm a creative. I'm ba- my background was, was creative world, and people, you know, creative people are sensitive. If you're creative, I apologize, but you're no more sensitive than the rest of us. But creative, you know, have anybody ever heard that? People say, I'm just emotional, I'm just sensitive. I think I've used that argument once or twice. It didn't work. Once with Mrs. Moore, and she's ah, get over it. We're not ruled by our emotions. <laughs> She loves us just as much as she loves you. I'm, I'm thankful for that. But you've heard that argument. And the truth of it is God did create emotions. He created everything. He created emotions in you. But they were never supposed to rule. They were never supposed to lead. There are times when emotions are good. You can have kind of a, a, an anxiety about something and it's, and it's letting you know don't go down that road. It's a leading, really. There are times when you have happiness in the Lord. There have been movements of laughter over the years, things that happen. There are times when emotions are fine, but they're never supposed to be in control. When they cross over to control, it's a dangerous place. You don't want to lose control of them. Amen? Um, I've already told you. I've already told you that I have an emotional family, so... We'll just throw it out there. And I should, I should be very clear. That was my side of the family that threw things. Amy's family has never thrown anything at me in my whole life. They don't throw things. But my family, we used to have this thing that we called prayer chains. But really, it wasn't a prayer chain. It was a bad, what we call, what did I call it? Um, bad news chain. You wanted to make sure that Aunt so-and-so was going through this. The devil's got Aunt, Aunt Louie in this one and Aunt so you know, all these things. Anybody else? I know nobody else. Don't raise your hands. Nobody else had family things like that. But you know what they want is for you to react. What are we going to do? What do you mean grandma's got cancer? What do you mean Aunt so-and-so left uncle so-and-so? What do you mean their kid's dying? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, the devil steps in right away to do what? To trigger your emotion. Because if you'll respond emotionally, you will not respond spiritually. How many of you heard Mrs. Moore's thing? Spiritual things are spiritual. We have to respond to things. We are spiritual beings. When you became saved and you became a a child of God, you you are spiritual. We are spiritual. We have to look through spiritual eyes. We have to see things differently than the world around us. 
If we're no different than them, why, be, why does anybody want to come join us? We have to respond differently. And my family, when I, when I was learning this many years ago, they would call and they were actually upset that I wasn't upset. They actually get upset that you're not emotional. I'll share a part of our testimony. Years when we, when we first got married and um, we were married in, I've got to think, ooh, I can't mess this up. December. We got married in December, and Jonathan was born the following November. It's 11 months. Don't count. <laughs> don't do it. Don't be tempted to fall into that emotion thing. But when we, Amy was in the hospital, she, went, we, we, she had some um, pretty serious health issues right after she got pregnant, and she was in intensive care. And we'd been married for three or four months, and... Um, but we already had some knowing about this. We already knew that this wasn't God. We already knew that we were standing in the Word, not going to react in the flesh. And actually, they called the doctors, if you remember, let, called people in and said, they're not taking this seriously. They don't understand. They don't understand how serious this is. And the reality of it was, uh, we understood. We had a full understanding of how serious it was. But more importantly, we had a full understanding of what God had told us. Not just about Amy, but about this child. It did, there was no, I mean, we went, I won't go into all of it, but we went through, it wasn't, she wasn't pregnant, it was a tumor, to tumors don't have heartbeats, to, you know, all this. It was kind of an amazing thing. But God delivered us every step of the way. Not because we were so smart, because we didn't have a whole lot of knowledge, but we had enough to know to grasp on to what his word said and to not receive what they said. I didn't take her out of the hospital. She stayed in the hospital. She did the treatments that we could. But she said, I'll do nothing that harms this baby. And long story short, a few months later, healthy baby boy born, going to have all these issues, all this stuff going on. There were 11 doctors or 7 or 8, 9, 10, somewhere. A lot of doctors in the room when he was born. And about 30 seconds later, they were gone. Because not one thing that the enemy said would happen, happened. Not one thing. But we, I know in my heart, as I was studying this out, we had a choice. That could have gone completely differently. I believe that. We could have gone completely differently because we did not respond emotionally. We refused to get emotional about the situation. We did. I don't even remember crying about it. <laughs> I remember us talking about it. We knew what was going on. And they came in one night and said, um, we're going to have to move her to a different level. This is intensified. And, and uh, our friend was in there, and a dear close friend of Amy's. And they said, you need to leave. We need to talk. And they, we said, oh, no, she's fine. She's okay. And our friend, actually, maybe that wasn't wise, because our friend sort of had a, ah! you know, <laughs> had that moment of no. And we're like, no, 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 this is okay. 50-50 is not 50-50 in God's eyes. Amen. But our response dictated the outcome. I know in my heart if we had been emotional about what they told us, if we had done the things that they told us and reacted out of fear and reacted out of, out of listening only to medical and not listening to the Word of God. And I'm not knocking medical science. God gave it to them. God gave us doctors to help us. He's given them incredible wisdom and the things they can do to help are wonderful but you still have to be led. And they aren't 100% right. They're doing on averages the best that they know how, guessing about what could happen. But I, I'll take the Word of God over that. Amen. I know what God says. 
100% of the time. But anyway, understand, we, you, how you respond absolutely has a tremendous impact on your emotions, on your outcome. Everything God created in us is good, but like I just said, the enemy is always trying to turn that good to evil. Emotions are one of the main reasons people miss God. One of the main things that will get you off your path, that will you get you out of your place, that will take you out of a marriage, that will take you out of, of a church, yikes, is emotion. It happens again and again and again. Brother Moore has shared many times about putting in for a transfer. Has everybody heard that story? Yeah. I haven't talked to him personally about it. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. But from hearing him tell the story, my guess is there were some feelings and emotions happening that makes you want to put in for a transfer and file that spiritual paperwork. But it came back denied. Why? Because his emotion at that moment or our emotion at the moment doesn't change God's plan. Maybe it's justified. Maybe, you, maybe you've been wronged in some situations. That's really not the point. The point is, where does God have for you to be? What did God say about it? Because God didn't say, they hurt your feelings. It's okay to quit and not reach the people that I have for you to reach. In his situation, it could have changed the entire course of his ministry. We might not be standing here. I might not be standing here. You might not be sitting in this church. Because of an emotional response, we have to see things through spiritual eyes. We have to change that in our, in our, in our ways. Amen? Amen? We are led by the Spirit and never by our emotions. Uh, say this with me. I am led by the Spirit of God. I am, I am never led. By my emotions. I could tell you, Amy and I have had the privilege of working with many of you. We've been volunteers for a long time and, and had the opportunity to work at both churches. And, and I can tell you that there are many, many people that move to these churches, that God moved, performed miracles to get thousands of miles to come to Branson, to come to Sarasota, that are no longer sitting in these churches. Not because God told them not to do it, not because God told them to release them to go, but because their feelings got hurt. And I'm not making light of that. But I am saying that, that you, you cannot be guided by your feelings. People come sometimes. I mean, how many of you came, just came to the church, moved to the area for the church? How many of you got here and it was a little different than what you thought it might be? It's okay. No, but you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. Because we don't operate the way a lot of places operate. I've been in other churches. I've been part of other ministries. We do things differently. But you have to learn that. You have to give time to get there. But because you don't get in your place that you wanted, not I should have said that differently, when you don't get in the place that you wanted, or you don't get to do the things that you want to do, or you don't get to run the ministry you want to run, or you don't get to, you don't get to, you don't get to, you got your feelings hurt. And you're not, you know what? God has provided. He's provided great people for us. But they're not in their place. They were supposed to be here. They were supposed to be in Branson. But you know, the good news is God is merciful. God is mighty. Though they have skills that are blessing to this church, that have a place to this church. They, will, they could bring something that nobody else could bring. 
And if they recognize that, God is merciful and he will restore that place. He doesn't, he's, he's just looking for us to turn around. He just wants us to do this. Go back the other direction. So come back. Get in your place. God has a place for you here. But you can let emotion take you out of your place. It happens all the time. Say this with me again. I am led by the Spirit of God. I am never led by emotions. Quit. I read this and I... And I amended it a little bit some time back, but it came back to me and it said, quit arming and equipping the enemy against you by having an emotional response to everything in your life. Isn't that good? Quit giving the enemy what he needs to take you down. We give the devil too much credit. Most of the time we've, we've given it to him on the proverbial silver platter. This is what's going to upset me this week. This pushes, this is the button. If you push this button... You're going to set Tom off for the whole afternoon. He doesn't have to be smart. He's stupid. But the bottom line, we give him the information. Why? Because we get emotional. We aren't led by spirit. We're led by emotions. I'm holding back lots of stories I could tell on myself right now. But I'm growing. The point is I'm better than I used to be and I'll be better tomorrow because I'm growing up. Amen. That's how faith works. That's how we grow. So the the next section I wanted to talk about is peace and living it out. Peace is a daily endeavor. We talked about that, but we're not in it alone. We have a helper. We have a helper. Um, You cannot live in the peace of God without rejecting the ways of the world and building up your spirit man, excuse me, in the word of God. You have to spend time in the word. You've got to spend time listening to the father. It's the only way to live a peaceful life and to live in his peace is to listen to him. How did Jesus combat the devil at the temptation? Did he take him on? No. He used the word. The devil tried to engage him emotionally. If you go back and read it, he was playing on emotions. This says that. Why are you having to do that? Well, the Bible says you could do that. Why don't you try it? He tried to get him to have something besides a spiritual response. And the only thing he gave him was the word. The word says, the word says, thus saith the Lord. We should be, that's an example of how we have to live daily. This is what the word says. Well, the only way that you know what the word says is if you're spending time in the word. Because saying, you know, I think it, I think it says something like this. Doesn't I remember hearing something about this. The devil doesn't care what you think you remembered about. He, the, the power is in the word of God. The power is in your confidence as you proclaim the word back at him. Nobody, you know, when you go to throw a ball, I, don't have, I should have brought a baseball, man. I could have been somebody. <laughs> don't fall asleep. I might have one under here. But you know, when you go to throw a ball, no one wants to go... You, you want, what do you want to do? You, if, you're throw, if you're taking the energy and the effort to throw it, you're going to wind that thing up and you're going to throw it as hard and as fast as you can in the direction. You're going to hit the target. That's what the Word of God does. When you're studying the Word and the Word of God is alive in you because you're meditating on it day and night, when the devil comes at you with something, you uh-uh. The Word says, I am an overcomer. The Word says, I am the head and not the tail. 
No, I don't receive that. You know what he does? Mrs. Moore did this. You know what he does at the next scripture? Because he has to. Because I know that the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And you resist him with the word of God. Amen? Amen. We must spend time in the word. It must be priority to us. Um, Back in Philippians, let's see, I wanted to talk about it. Go back to Philippians 4, verse 4 again. You know, I'm so thankful the Lord doesn't tell us, go do this, and not equip us with the information and the instruction manual. We came with an instruction manual. It's right here. And we've got Google, so there's no excuse for not finding what you need in the instruction manual. I'm tired of hearing men don't read instruction manuals. If I threw it out, I can Google it and I'll find it. I will read it. It might not be at the beginning, but I'll read it. No, that's our instruction manual. He didn't set us out on a course and not leave us the directions on how to get this done. And the great news is they're pretty simple. As I said to Edward last week, Edward's getting picked on today. Any five-year-old could do that in 15 minutes. What did you say? It took me 20? Okay. We give Edward a hard time. We have fun around here. We like serving the Lord. You should come in and volunteer. You'll find out. It's a good thing. But to go back to our, let's get back to the word. Last Tom. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we're going to go back to the beginning of that. What does it say? Rejoice. There's lots of scripture that says rejoice in the Lord always. We're commanded to do that. Be gentle. Kind. Loving. Don't worry. That's a big one. We don't have time to touch on that tonight. But worry can get you out of the will of God too. Uh, Worry. Don't worry. Pray. Be thankful. Ask God. He's telling us how to get the result of the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. If you rejoice, if you're gentle, if you don't worry, if you, if you pray, if you're thankful, if you ask God, then the peace of God will reign in your life. That's something worth celebrating. Amen? Um, the peace, this was an interesting thing that I discovered while I was, while I was going through this. And this is just Tom's Bible study. <laughs> That's kind of what you're getting a little dose of. This has kind of been something I've been dwelling on for a little while. You can probably tell a little bit. But the, this, is, this is what I've kind of found. And what I love about the scripture is it leads to another truth. Truth to truth. Amen? The, the peace we are called to pursue, what we are pursuing, is also the same peace that will show us how to get there. It's both the pathway and the destination. Didn't Jesus say he was the beginning and the end? the first and the last, because the peace of God is the presence of God, he manifests that peace the same way. His plan for us is peace from beginning to end. We are bookended with peace. Peace to peace and peace all along the pathway. Isn't that good? I thought that is God's plan for us. This is not supposed to be a spike of peace here, you know, like the heart rate monitor. When it spikes, you see this go up. We're supposed to be living up in this plane. Living in this plane of peace. Amen? 
So how do we keep it? We've already talked about avoiding strife. Don't engage your heart in strife. Check your emotions. We're not led by our emotions. We are sponges. You are going to absorb what is around you. We were talking earlier about people enjoying being part of your family. Do you know part of the reason why I believe the Lord says don't forsake the fellowshipping together is because I can absorb something from you that I don't have. I can be encouraged by you and built up and receive something when I come to church that I didn't have when I got here. That's the Spirit of God. That's the anointing at operation in a body of the believers. Amen? That we are supposed to be doing that. We are sponges. We are going to absorb what's around us. That means what you're listening to, what you're watching, who you're spending your time with, what movies you're going to see. We don't want to hear those things because we think, oh, that's bondage. In as much as it contaminates you, it is. But these things are sponges. Going to, um, going to church, those are situations. The Spirit of God is always trying to prompt us. Don't listen to that. I have had numerous times when I've started to watch something and there really was no... I mean, I can't tell you this is why I didn't need to watch it. I just knew in my spirit, you don't need to watch this. It was going to be counter or confusing to something the Lord was trying to do to me right, do it with me right now. And you know, I've learned not to question that. There's 3,000 channels out there now. I can change to a different one or turn it off altogether and just read. But, but the Holy Spirit is always trying to help us with this, guys. He says, um, don't watch this. Don't listen to that. Go help this person. Go do that. Don't take care of that today. Go take care of this today. You can fix this situation. This is what I want you to do. You can be guided in everything that you do if we'll stop and listen for his voice. Amen? Um, garbage in, garbage out. I wrote that down. I thought that sounds really negative. So I thought, you know what? We, for us, it's word in. Word out. If what you're taking in is encouraging, if there's someone that you get around that doesn't encourage you and that when you leave you're, you're less and depressed than you were, I'm not saying ignore them. Make a different path the next time you get with them. Start that conversation out differently. And you can know what you can do with conversations? Mm-hmm. I've had, I, had, I had a friend many years ago that was looking for a job and really that's what they were doing was looking for a job any job I'll take a job I just want out of the job that I have and and they would call for counseling or just ask me about it and I'd say what did the Lord say well but it's this much money and it's this much this and it's this much that and I'm gonna get to to do this with my family and but what did the Lord say because at the end of the day the money the place the time is irrelevant Those are the emotions of that decision. The spiritual thing is, what did God say about it? Where does God have for you to be? People don't like to hear that. And I'm not saying be harsh. You can be loving and encouraging with that. I wasn't mean. I just kept saying the same question. Well, what what does God say about it? Don't pick a job based on money. Pick it on what God has for you to be. Pick what God has for you. Because you know what? It may start out the lowest... But you may be financially better off than you ever have been in your entire life. I, might, I mean, I worked in the world. I spent time in the business world. I made good money. I had a good bonus every year. God had a different plan. And in the natural, and the enemy will come and tell you, yeah, now you did it. You know, people in ministry make no money. You'll never have a big house again. 
You'll never drive a nice car. You'll never have the things that you could have had. You'll never be able to provide for your family. It's a lie. It's a lie. I'm in the best house we've ever been in. We like our house better than any house we've ever lived in. It suits us very well. We had com- we've had company over the holidays. We, they enjoy it. Yeah, they come to our house and they enjoy it because it's peaceful. Because they can rest when they're there. Because we don't have strife in our home. But I'm much better off than I was making the salary and the bonuses I was making before. Much better off. We have more. We do more for the Lord. We have kids that are blessed and prospered. So don't you don't have to listen. You need to listen to what God has for you to say. Little side, maybe somebody's looking for a job. What did God say? Do what He said. You'll never be wrong. you'll never go wrong doing that. Keep your mouth shut. You can't hear from God while your mouth is running. I always say to the kids, I can't talk to you when you're screaming. And it's very funny because I remember when we first started working in kids, I have always talked to two-year-olds like they're a person. Because they are. I don't go in and, you know, I go in and say, I need you to quit crying because I need to talk to you. I can't talk to you when you're crying. And do you know what they do? I know nobody believes it. We'll have to put it on camera sometime. But you know what? Kids do what you expect and ask them to do. But we're the same way. We're doing this when we need to do this. We keep talking the stuff instead of listening to what God's saying about the stuff. It's directly related to what I was just talking about. You can't hear what God is saying because you're talking about money and location and income and this and that and this and that. And God, what about this? And God, what about that? And God, what about this? And God, what about that? And what he wants you to do is this. So you can hear what he's saying about it because it only takes one word from him for you to get your answer. It's not a 10,000 word essay that you're trying to give. He already knows. He doesn't care what they're offering you. He cares that he wants you over here. And once you have that assurance, those decisions become very easy, folks. Very, very easy. But you want to hear that still small voice, so keep your mouth shut. And this last one I, I just called scripture charging. Make a habit of speaking the word over yourself. Build up your inner man. You're either speaking good or you're tearing yourself down. There's no middle line. Because if you're not building yourself up, if you're not going forward, you're going backward. A lot of people kid themselves by thinking, I'm just going to sit on this plane right here for a while. Don't really want to spend more time with the Lord, but I'm going to be okay because I'm not going to go back this direction either. You're sliding this direction. Whether you know it or not, you're sliding. And a crisis is coming. So we want to charge ourselves. We want to give ourselves scriptures. We want to speak over yourself. He who started the work will complete it. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. No weapon formed against me will prosper. The Father is pleased by my faith. I am the head and not the tail. The greater one lives in me, uh, guiding and directing and leading me every step of the way. I am whole and healed by the blood of Jesus. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet, I am led by the Spirit of God. I am never led by my emotions. And if you have to, stand in the mirror and say these things to you like it's a different person. But repeat them to you. People stand in the mirror all the time. And what are we, doing? What are we normally doing? <laughs> I won't say who does this in the office, but... 
pulling this up. If I just had this pulled up, if this just came up. <laughs> we stand in the mirror and we criticize ourselves. You stand in the mirror and you think, where did that wrinkle come from? And, oh, that's back fat. When did that happen? <laughs> I've been married a long time. But you do. When we look in the mirror, we're criticizing ourselves most of the time. Oh, bad hair day, you know, whatever. Man, oh, wait, wrong, wrong choice of tie, too late. But we are. So spend some time in the mirror building yourself up because you have to learn to see that person as who you are in Christ. That's what we're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to look at that mirror and see faults and failures and past and, and things I didn't do right. I should look in that mirror and say, look what God has done. You are still here after almost 50 years. God has delivered you. I don't even have gray hair. Not prideful, just excited. I used to pray for gray hair when I was 30, so I thought it was all the thing. I don't care what color my hair is, to be perfectly honest with you. But I want to look in that mirror and I want to see what God has done. I want to see... God got you up this morning. He's got something for you to do today. Amen. He has a plan for you. What we're gonna, we are going to accomplish great things today. Well, I'm not worried about how my hair looks. That's not the primary thing. The primary thing is speaking that word into us day after day after day. Because you know what? One day you look in the mirror and you believe it. One day you look in the mirror and this much is truth. And then the next day, this much is truth. And the next day you see this much truth. And you start thinking, oh, what's another scripture I can speak over myself? I'm, I'm prospered. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed going out. Devil ain't got nothing on me. I've got the, the faith and the, and the greater one lives inside of me. It's greater than anybody here. Much greater than the devil. Build yourself up. Charge yourself. Just like you plug that phone in at night, you need to plug the word in every morning. Get up and encourage yourself um, and cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. In everything you do, give thanks. The scripture says that is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, concerning me. In everything, give thanks. It wouldn't say it. We've talked, uh, we've, Brother Morse touched on a lot of this stuff over the years. He wouldn't say do it if we couldn't do it and if he didn't do it himself. Amen. Amen. When we keep our peace, several things happen, and I'm closing here. We become more sensitive and open to the Spirit of God. When I'm talking with a child or I need to deal with something specifically, um, I can't do it until I get their attention. They can, and oftentimes, they might be throwing themselves on the floor, screaming, yelling, and rolling around, flailing. I can't deal with that. I have to stop that. I have to get their attention so that I can deal with the situation at hand. Right? Well, many Christians are like that. God has an answer for you. And he's kind of standing here watching you flailing around on the floor, kicking and screaming because you're mad. Your emotions have kicked in. And he, and he wants to go, but, but I have an answer but you won't quit kicking and screaming long enough for him to hear it, to get it to you. We have to stop that. We ha we, when, we, when we become more like him, when we're walking in that peace, we become more sensitive to his spirit because we're not doing those things. He doesn't have to calm you down 
before he can say something to you. He can come right over and sit down and say, hey, I've got something for you today. And you know what you say? I'm ready. Because you don't have that strife and conflict going on in here. He's not sorting through the mire and the muck to get to where he can talk to you. Placating your emotions so that he can get something to you. We want to be ready when he is ready to speak to us. Amen? We want to be ready. We will hear quickly, respond quickly, and grow more quickly into what he has for us to be. We also become more confident in the things of God. Because we are not ruled by emotions and we have guarded our hearts and walk in the peace of God, we will see things through spiritual eyes instead of natural eyes. You stop seeing the surface emotion. You quit seeing that this person is screaming at me and you begin to see the hurt behind why they're behaving the way they are. And it's real simple then to remove the personal from it and think, you know, they're having a bad day. Something happened that had nothing to do with me. Something happened. And you know why I can do that? Because I'm not having that emotional response to everything. I do. I think that sometimes in the grocery store, you'll see something really ugly happening. And I just think, man, they're... I used to think, that's rude. You know, and you, kind of, you can go down that road and you can get off your peace course and you can tell everybody the rest of the day the rude thing that you saw the cashier do to somebody. Or you can think, you know, they need somebody to just pray for them. They're hurting. Something's happening. Sometimes the Lord will drop something in your life. You know, they have a child that's in the hospital. Pray for them. He might ask you, encourage you to say, can I pray for you today? You'd be surprised how many non-believers will be excited to have somebody pray for them. And sometimes they do it just because they don't want to be rude. But it changes their life. But you can't see that until you get into that peace. Until you're operating in that peace. Because we've learned to operate in peace and not operate in that emotional response. Amen? That's a good thing. That's a very good thing. And you become confident. And as I said, we were becoming more confident in the things of God. It becomes easier to recognize when the enemy is at work. And you real quickly go, that's a trap. Not today. I'm not stepping in that one today. No, not getting me today. Instead of stepping in it and having to get healed because you did something stupid. Amen? We become more confident that God hears us, that he answers us, and that he is directing our path. And that's a really big thing. Amen? And then last, we can be the light to the world that he intends for us to be. Nobody wants to listen to a raving lunatic. They want to laugh at him. But nobody wants to listen to that. And if that's all we are is a raving, angry, upset Christian all the time, how do you lead anybody to the Lord? Nobody wants to be that. And we can pretend that there aren't any in there. and We've never done that, but we have. We've let our witness say something different than what the Spirit of God in us would have it say. We, how many of you would say, I, would, I don't want to misrepresent the Lord? But we have. But when we walk in the peace of God, and when we stay in that peace, and when we keep that peace, we don't. We, we're like a candle. You know the little song, This Little Light of Mine? Everybody, we won't sing it. But This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. We're like that candle that we get saved and that candle gets lit and that flame is bright and the things of life become consuming and the light gets dimmer or the light gets, you get ashamed of the light because you don't think God's real or something changes in your heart. And 
but you're still that, we're, we're all those candles. And what God desires is that we become so consumed by that fire that you don't even see the candle anymore. That all you see is that burning passion of, for God. That's what reaches people. Because that's what's different than what's happening out in the world. The world doesn't live in joy and peace. The world can't walk through a cancer diagnosis with a smile on their face to healing. Because there's fear. We can represent the opposite of that. We should be so consumed by the passion that we have and the power that God has in our lives that all people see when we come by is a light. Nobody's looking at the candle anymore. That's, that is achievable, folks. We can do that. And the key to it is walking in, in the peace of God. I'm going to leave with our key scripture. I know we've kind of gone over it a lot tonight, but I want to look at it, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, but I want to look at it in the New Living this time because I just like the way it says, the way it says it. We've talked about the more literal translations, but this one says, Always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a good way to look at that? Stand up on your feet.